Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Alas, we've returned to recording uh, at our various domestic pods throughout the New York <laughs> metropolitan area. Uh, I'm Calvin Reed, senior news editor of Publishers Weekly, editor of PW Comics World, and editor of the fanatic PW's twice-a-month comics and pop culture newsletter. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am the editor-in-chief of Comics Beat at comicsbeat.com, the news site of comics culture. And you can find us at Twitter at, at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. Uh, and don't forget, you can subscribe to more to come on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcasts, and on Stitcher. And on a Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. And don't forget, you can also leave us a rating and let us know how we're doing. Uh, please uh, give us some ratings on iTunes or Stitcher or anywhere you record, you subscribe to this podcast. And, of course, don't be afraid to send us some feedback because we love to hear it. Talk to us, please. <laughs> All right. This week on More to Come. Daniel Cherry ankles DC and other job moves around comics. Uh, more news from DC. Uh, small publishers switch their business plans uh, and anime news. So, uh, wow. Less than two <laughs> years on the job. Uh, uh, <laughs> Dan Cherry is out of here. Well, you know, I have to say the entire AT&T uh, management of DC Comics <laughs> Entertainment, whatever they're calling it now, uh, is a textbook case of a big company not knowing what the H-E double hockey sticks they are doing. Okay. And, um, I mean, I know Pam Lifford, who is the, the, you know, the big honcho over mm -hmm. DC, certainly has no interest in, uh, running a publishing company. She's made that abundantly clear. Um, you know, they decimated the company last year. Especially yeah. the sales and marketing. They laid off the entire sales. Yes. Yeah. Which, well, they... which to me indicates very little interest in selling your comics. But, um, you know, what, what do I know? I'm not AT&T. I'm not Warner Brothers. Um, but then after all this, they, uh, well, not all of this, this is September 2020, they hired yeah. a general manager who would take over all the business end of things so that Jim Lee, who's the chief creative officer, would have more time to be creative. And that yeah. sounds great. So they hired this Daniel Cherry III, and, um, you know, we all gave him a chance, but uh, his background was at Activation, Activision Blizzard, which uh, has been mired in scandal ever since. But he got a pass. I have to know it. Nobody yeah. was implicated in the scandal. Um, but, you know, his background was eSports. And, you know, yeah. he basically, quote, ran D.C., unquote, for about 14, 15 months. And then apparently he just up and quit and said, I'm going to go work for Kanye. And um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go on, Kate. Now, I might say that working with a bipolar egomaniac is a bad idea, but then he worked in comics. So uh, <laughs> this might be a step up as far as uh, professional well, behavior goes. You know, well, well, that's is, a rumor, right? I mean, we, I mean we're joking about well, it's, it. But yeah, it's, but it's, it's, it's a rumor that everybody's repeating, so yeah. there seems to be some – uh, veracity to it. That's the word on the street. I will say this. If it is true, this is my uh, metaphor is that, you know, he's leaving a ship that's becalmed 
and run out of fuel, but very sound and still floating for a little flaming dinghy that's, you know, on fire and somebody's standing there with a lighter. So, you know, in case it doesn't work fast enough. But, hey, you do you, Daniel Cherry. You do you. Yeah, it's true. But, you know, I mean – Kanye has a massive audience. He does. He does. Kanye's a, you know, he's a legend. Yes. (laughs) I mean, maybe, I mean, there could be all kinds of reasons why he would choose to, if that's what he's doing. Uh, certainly I have no idea, but, um, you know, (laughs) yes, I don't quite get it either. Uh, uh, this may, it's interesting because they were looking for AT&T. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I well, think that's a part of it. That could easily be a part of it. Whatever you may think of Kanye, I mean, this is, uh, I mean, the world that he inhabits is at the cutting edge of the culture. Yeah. It, yes, it he is, is. is not. It just is. No, DC is absolutely uh, not. Well, you know what? I, I beg to differ. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. I mean, Warner Brothers is still the second biggest movie studio. If you believe that movie studios have some currency and mm-hmm. the, the DC superheroes are one of the crown jewels at Warner Brothers and they just announced that the new Batman movie is going to be two and a half hours long. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I actually disagree. I, I, no, no, no. Know. Actually, I wasn't, I wasn't putting down DC as a property. I meant more the AT&T suits. Well, I, are, I, are maybe I think, yes. not part of the creative world in the well their management someone might well, want well their management of Warner Brothers has been atrocious they're so bad they had to sell it well my point yeah. was that yes there's a mass audience that love the movies i'm not really sure how much of that move that audience loves the comics yeah i guess yeah. i'm just being for real here yeah i'm i'm for real on that too like i love the comics I'm just saying. but uh right i agree you well, know, uh, I'm telling it, you, I am telling you, well, we will see. Unfortunately, there's a lot yeah. of people at Warner Brothers who seem to agree with you. I think it's a little deeper than that and goes, um, you know, we didn't have this on our story list, but there was a big interview with uh, Joss Whedon that came out uh, this oh, week. Oh, yes, that's disastrous. Right. Oh, my God. Oh, Kate, well, he's ridiculous. Oh, I it's read a, it. I read it. Just, I read it, too. It's just a joke. Oh, my yeah, God. I mean, it's not quite as bad as Prince Andrew's interview, but it's, <laughs> it's close. It's close. Interesting comparison. Yes. Yes. Um, what, uh, well, they, they both seem to uh, have this little problem with not realizing that that's not a good reason, and your argument actually makes it worse. Yeah. Well, I mean – it's just a desperate attempt to cover his ass, and it's just, it's a joke. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I noticed Ray Fisher was back online, just sort of saying, "Yeah, you know, you can see for yourself where what well, I, I'm coming I from." I mean, for well, the, the reason I bring it up is because it is very germane to our discussion because it's he does finally germane. tell his story, his version yeah. of the whole Justice League debacle, and you know, which is absolutely one of the biggest blunders in movie studio history. Oh, uh, just destroyed, I mean, it destroyed his career, Whedon's career, too. You know, I mean, it would have destroyed it anyway, but it sure put it on the fast track. And, um, you know, he says like, like you know, Gal Gadot, and yeah. um, she seems like a pretty classy person to me i mean you know she can't uh, speak yeah. english is yeah that- she doesn't speak english well enough is there second language and, oh and, come you know, on new york new york magazine i think she speaks like three or four languages yes. new york magazine reached out to her and she said she just wrote back and she said i understood yeah and like she doesn't it's need so to say anything yeah, it's like she's not <laughs> stupid. I mean, it's obvious she's not stupid. She's a, she's no, obviously, she's not stupid. you know, aside well, from the 
um, you know, imagine thing. She's well, but that's just typical tone deaf celebrity. Yes, which you exactly. could easily do in your own language. Yes. <laughs> right. But anyway, I mean, this whole Justice League disaster just absolutely shows that the team that was running Warner Brothers at that point had absolutely no freaking clue what they were doing. Well, and- I mean, I, I will say, I think that this would not have destroyed Whedon's career had he not, you know, been horrible on the set. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if course. it had oh, just been a... Uh, badly put together superhero movie that suffered from having two completely different directors, his career would have been fine. I don't, it, why, it, I don't think so, actually. I, I think uh, his sins of the past would have caught up with him eventually. And that's that's part of the story, too. That, yeah. that we, we, we got a sense of his legacy going back over a, right. a, a, a wide range yeah. of problems. But I, I just meant it's the sins that got him. Oh, yes. Not the movie. Yes, but I, I'm just saying it's like you know, if you, um, I mean, I'm certainly not defending Joss Whedon in any way, shape, or form, um, because his, his behavior has just been terrible just all the way through. But I, I'm just yeah. saying, it put him in charge of these people and in a situation that probably exacerbated. I mean, to me, he looks yeah, like absolutely. he's just incredibly and I, insecure and just acts yeah. out like a classic and, bully. And I don't see how you can disconnect his sins from the product that he turned out. I, yeah. I really yeah. don't. Yeah. Well, what um, I mean and his is, relationship with Ray Fisher was clearly uh, one of the biggest problems with this uh-huh. movie. Yeah. So I, I don't say you can disconnect the well, two. The, the way I'm disconnecting the two is that if Justice League had been the movie we got and Joss Whedon wasn't a complete jerk, this wouldn't have destroyed his career. But he was, and it <laughs> yeah. did. So, I, yeah. Actually. <laughs> so, yeah. Wait, if you're saying it was still the, the, the terrible movie that it was, it actually, yes. see, I think it actually did destroy his career without people knowing about what a jerk he is because he definitely. Nobody liked the movie. Was, before yeah, they nobody knew about liked this stuff. it. And his phone <laughs> stopped ringing after that. Yeah, well, I think his career would have bounced back in a way that it's not going to now. Possibly, possibly, possibly. But, um, anyway, it just to, you know, just to get back to what I'm saying though, my point being, like, nobody at Warner Brother, like, the, you know, DC has just been horribly mishandled. Um, the movie side of things and, um, you know, now the, although they're, they're making a comeback, you know, they have the bat, new bat, Batman coming out. Sure. There's mm-hmm. the new Flash. Movie, yeah, well, I saw, the, I saw the costumes for the new Batman movie and they're not encouraging. Yeah, but uh, they, you know what? Go on, Kate. Well, I was going to say they're not quite nipples on a bat suit level terrible, but they're damn close. Yeah, but you know what? It's not for us. I never like Batman. People love. No, but I like Batman. I'm saying I like Batman too. (laughs) I am a Batman fangirl, and as a Batman fangirl, I'm telling you, I'm used to stupid costumes, and (laughs) they're not not quite shoemaker level stupid costumes. But good God, they're a close second. I mean, I say this as someone who likes Batman. Well, I, I I believe I agree. I mean, believe I am a Batman fan, and um, yeah, I haven't I haven't seen the new costumes, but I've had some issues with the Batman costume um, uh, for a while now. Okay, you know, I mean, I, I call I, them I the rhinestone superheroes. They're 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 just they're taking the costumes too far. Oh, oh, these are these are bad in a different and and new way, mm-hmm. Calvin. Yeah, yeah, um, I haven't seen someone uh, someone not me online who was very clever described the Riddler's new reimagined costume as... Oh, I did see that, yeah. Yes. As yeah. a... 
S and M suit designed by LL Bean. It really, if you had told me that was the Scarecrow's costume, I would be like, yeah, that makes sense. But the Riddler, like, it doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, and they're just ugly in just a stupid way. It like, really does. Why? Look, it really they're, does look like a survivalist outfit. Yeah, I they, guess they, they figure the that costumes just look bad they don't do they just think that they can't do a, a a a classic riddler look in this day and age well but i mean if you were going to do a new take on it which would be fine you would think you would do some other variation on a suit and yeah question mark theming like it could be a, a neat little like uh, jacquard print or something. But, I don't but know. But I think man. I saw something. There's a that, lot of things you can do with a suit and a question mark. It, it looked like and a custodian's overalls. I, I, I wasn't quite sure yeah. what I was looking at. Well, it definitely looks like something you might wear during a pandemic. <laughs> is that yeah, what it is? <laughs> but so is everything. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So we'll we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I would like it to be a good movie. I'm I'm just increasingly cringing. Yeah. But well, I hope it's a true rebirth. Well, you see, the point is, you know, I, I uh, rewatched um, – I'm doing a rewatch of the Marvel Phase 4 movies, and I rewatched Black Widow last night. And, you know, when I saw the theater, it was the first movie I'd seen in, you know, over a year. And I was a little underwhelmed. But you know what? When I watched it at home sitting on my sofa, I was like, wow, this is so entertaining. I'm like, I love it. And, you know, that's the thing. It's like an MCU movie is you know you're going to be entertained for two hours. DC, we don't know what we're going to get. We don't know that, you know. I mean, we may not like the Marvel movie, but you will be entertained. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And it's just we don't know. You know, could be a masterpiece. Or it could not. And anyway, this goes back to what I'm saying about AT&T. Really, there's nobody there who gets it, obviously. Um, you know, I thought Kevin Sujahara got it, but, but he didn't. You know, he, under his watch, the movies, I gotta be honest, they were horrible. Yeah, yeah. And he's the one who pulled the trigger on this, and I do mean the trigger, on this, you know, Whedon League, and the Justice League, and, um, you know, and here we are now. Now, uh, the current regime has hired this Daniel Cherry, who, let's be honest, you know, he did one interview that was nothing but, you know, sprouting buzzwords. And um, and now he's leaving because it's, you know, like there's a new, you know, ATT, whatever is changing hands next year. There's going to be a whole new regime. And oh, obviously yeah. he thought getting out before that happened was a good idea. And I'll yeah. tell you a little bit of inside gossip that I am hearing is that there is not one person at DC Comics who is going to miss Daniel Cherry. Uh-huh. Okay. Very interesting. So where does that leave Jim Lee? <clears throat> I mean, once again, he seems to be uh, a man of enormous power and sway there. Well, I think Last Jim- man standing. He is the last man standing. I think Jim Lee and Marie Javens, the editor-in-chief. Yes, and I shouldn't are, leave out Marie Javens. You're yes, right. you mustn't because Marie is very, very, uh, you know, important power force there. But, I mean, where does it leave DC Comics, you know? I mean, where the hell does it leave DC Comics? Um, I mean, we have a couple little news stories here. Uh, that we, actually, I mean, you know, they just announced some some new stuff going on. Like they're going to kill off the Justice League. That's a classic, you know, 30 mm-hmm. years later. Yeah. Um, 
then some some mystery. I guess we could talk about that a little bit later about Wonder Girl. Yeah. But um, you know, they're moving on. I mean, they're continuing mm-hmm. with the kids line. You know, they launched the web. I mean, they're trying. That Fortnite was a big hit for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Jim, I understand. I mean, you know, uh, the other thing I'm hearing is that they are going to hire a new head uh, to run, a new general manager or whatever the position wants to be, a new publisher or whatever. Mm. And, but obviously From within the industry this time? Well, I mean, please, give me a break, you know. But yeah. that person will not be put in place until after the transition to Discovery. And yeah. nobody knows what Discovery is going to do, you know. So yeah. they do seem I, I hopeful that Discovery – Seems to be a little bit more content focused, a little more cheesy content focused, which might include superheroes. But, um, you know, I've been talking to some, some of my industry insiders and yeah, you know, that Riddler with the question marks on it seems to be the, uh, the, the mood. Yeah. Well, Kim, I mean, what I, what I worry about, of course, is that DC has gone through a radical reorganization. Gutting would be another description. Yes. Are we going to see another yes. one? There's nobody left to gut. Well, I know, but that doesn't mean uh, whatever their new corporate ma- uh, master is won't come in and say, you know what? I think we need to shake things up. I mean, this this happens over and over again in these massive acquisitions. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. Everybody wants to put their their exactly on the exactly yeah. and yeah and I mean everybody thinks they know, but uh, you know I, I'll say this: it really. Uh, you know, Pam Lifford does not seem to be very much interested in publishing. Um, she really, uh, hasn't shown, you know, any strategically very much interest in, in it. So, um, you know, uh, as long as she's running DC, uh, who knows what we'll see. I'll say that. Yeah, but, you know, key words being as long as she's running DC. Right. Exactly. So, um, you know, I, I mean, everybody wants to be Marvel and Disney and, you know, Disney has carved out a little spot for Marvel Comics. Um, yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure that if Marvel Comics started losing money hand over fist, then there would be some problems. And um, But they don't. They break even or make a little money. And as long as mm-hmm. they do that, Disney is very happy to have this little company. And, and, and some of these films have become kind of cultural landmarks. So um, – well, they're constantly stealing from the comics. I mean, for instance, yes. one more thing. Like, is anybody watching the book of Boba Fett? Well, no, not me, but no. I'm sure what? people are. <laughs> no. Kate, I mean, are you watching Boba it? Boba Fett I'm not is a... my least favorite Star Wars character. I could not care less, although I'm really glad that they brought back the Jango Fett actor to play him. Yeah. Yes, I, I, I'm I, just I'm just not a Star Wars. Like, okay. Uh, well, all right. Well, addict, I'm a, so, well, I'm so, not an addict, but I'm a, of interest. And I'm, you know, I'm interested, okay. but I don't. Yeah. I, well, I, I, okay. There's lots anyway, of Heidi, tell us what you're going to tell us. Okay. So what I'm going to tell you is that you know Boba and uh, Fennec are running around trying to do things, and uh, the the villain they introduce a villain in like the second episode who's this dark Wookie. Dark Wookiee. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. From the comics. From the comics. Yeah, I was you know? reading about this guy. And yeah. then, and Black so. Black Satin, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this, so the, the, one of the characters in The Mandalorian was also from the comics. And, you know, can Dr. Aphra be far behind? So they are completely using stuff from the comics that Kieran Gillen wrote, you know? And, I mean, I'd be very curious to know. Uh, anything for it. Oh, I'm sure he doesn't. Are you kidding? I'm sure. I would just be curious to know how much it really was just like, you know, Kieran saying, let's have a dark Wookiee, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I mean, you know, so that's why I'm saying it's like it's the cheapest R&D on earth. Just give it a little bit of money. And it'll, well, that, well, you're so. making a good point here is that Marvel does seem that Marvel and Disney seem to know how to make use of the comics to, to amplify the movies and the comics. Yeah. I mean, that's I, I will say a lot of it's Kevin Feige, you know, but yeah. Um, uh, did you guys watch Hawkeye? Uh, I started watching Hawkeye, yes. I think I've seen the first two episodes. Hawkeye's, I think, Kate, I think you would like Hawkeye. I think I will too when I get around to it. Okay. Um, All right. The yeah. most recent time I, I uh, invested in watching an entire television series was I uh, just finished watching Wheel of Time the other oh. week, so. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I'm I gotta, not... I gotta finish that myself. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, the point again stands, you know, like the entire Hawkeye is based on you know, it just feels wholesale yeah. from the David Aha, uh, Matt Fraction run on the title. And, you know, Kate Bishop was created by them. So, yeah, mm-hmm. Marvel and Disney are very, very good at looking Actually, at the comics. she was not. What? She oh, wasn't. she wasn't? Oh, who was she created she by? She pre-existed. She was, she was uh, created for um, Young Avengers. Oh, yeah, you're right. But it, you know, right? But they definitely, um, they, they definitely, definitely made yeah. that team up a thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they definitely the aesthetic. I mean, they even on Hawkeye they even used David Aha's covers as the credits. I mean, it's just like yeah. everything in the I aesthetic mean, was taken from. Yeah, I know. Wop, he didn't get paid. He was tweeting. He didn't about get paid. I know. He didn't get oh, paid for that's, it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that stinks. Yeah, yeah, that does that. Well, yeah, but I'm just pointing out. Like, yeah. no wonder Disney keeps Marvel around if they could just get you know exactly a, you they're, know S tier work for free. They are, they're adept at this business of pop culture. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what else to say. Uh, and DC adept. seems not to be. And, yeah. and certainly Warner. At DC, you just never know what you're going to get. All right. Now, were there some other uh, moves, uh, Heidi, that, uh, to be covered, uh, around the business? Well, there was a lot of comings and goings. Uh, you know, usual. I, I just do a roundup every couple of weeks. There's always a lot. Um, you know, Bobby Kernow, a very, uh, respected editor left IDW. I'd say a lot of people are leaving IDW. Probably the other mm-hmm. very noteworthy one is that Josh Hayes, who was previously, uh, ran Diamond Book Distributors, uh, left Diamond and now he's the VP of sales at Boom. So, um, you know, a little shift there, um, and um, Diamond promoted Mike Schimmel, but not to VPSS, mm-hmm. but not yeah. at the books. At not the, at the books, yeah. At, mm, the, interesting. at the regular, uh, yes. I think they did hire someone to take over the book side, and nobody remembers who it is. I should go look up and see who that is. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I, I actually missed this goings, myself. More comings mm. and goings, yeah, you know. Um, yeah, you know, okay. people on the move. Uh, and then, Kate, wasn't there, there wasn't there some mystery in DC this week, though, that perhaps shows some other kind of turmoil? Yeah, I mean, there's, I don't have an inside track on the Kremlinology the way Heidi does, but my spidey senses are tingling, as it were, and <laughs> so are many universe. other people's. Uh, basically, Joelle Jones, famed comic creator, got tapped by DC to do a Wonder Girl comic with the new Wonder Girl character. And uh, it was doing pretty well. It was, you know, popular and well-reviewed. And now, um, as of issue seven, it's going to be canceled, and there's just no reason given. 
no explanation. It's just sort of vanished. Um, so there's much speculation on what might be going on there. Like, is it maybe, is it really just gone? Is, are they, do they want Joelle Jones for something else? Was there some kind of power struggle? Is it going to be one of those things where they turn over Wonder Girl and rename it and make it into a different comic, but keep the people and keep the main character? We don't know. It's one of those mysteries. Yeah. Well, we haven't had one of these kind of juicy, oh, the book's canceled scandals in a while. I don't even call it a scandal, you know, but uh, definitely well, yeah, some more kind mystery. of like the publishing yeah. mystery. <laughs> publishing mystery. So, yeah, yeah we got to, yeah, I don't know. I need to find out about I was too excited about the, you know, the general manager jumping ship to uh, ask. But you know what? <laughs> I'll dig around. There you go. That's it. Heidi's beat for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> well, meanwhile, uh, Calvin, uh, we there's uh, you know uh, all these other publishers are also forging bravely ahead. Just a reminder that comic sales were up like 106 percent last year, even though a lot of it was manga. Almost every segment was up last year. So uh, you know this is a booming business. So anyway, Calvin, you talked to one of those uh, little pub- indie publishers out there. Well, we, we, I, I, I assigned a story about heavy metal. Um, <clears throat> uh, uh, for those who may not know, I mean, heavy metal, uh, you know, a, a glossy illustrated magazine, uh, came out of France in the 1970s, Metal Erlon. Uh, it was licensed in the U.S., uh, by the National Lampoon and the name changed to heavy metal. But for me and, um, people of my generation, this is actually the place where I discovered uh, Mobius and uh, um, Inky Bilal and <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> so many of the great uh, Euro comics artists. Uh, they they kind of brought in the the baggy space opera, um, uh, brilliant art. Uh, they also brought in you know uh, massive TNA and you know, <laughs> <coughs> excuse me. A whole other aspect, but really their combination of of, of steampunk, uh, you know, fantasy, uh, space erotica. It was a very influential on the North American scene, certainly to men. Uh, but there was good material and that commentary, and also really uh, exceptional production values. So we had uh, Rob Salkowitz uh, 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 looked in and did a. Uh, Took a look at heavy metal that they've been, they've gone through a number of corporate changes. Now, uh, they're being led by Matt Medney, who's the CEO, who's also, uh, a fairly notable, um, science fiction author. And, uh, Joe Illich is the executive uh, editor of the magazine, which continues to publish their, I think their, their issue 314, uh, comes out, comes out in February. And he did a, just really did a, a, a kind of a, a profile. It was a profile of the company, uh, basically, uh, that, uh, looked at its origins and said, look, they're back. They're ready to rock again and they're doing, uh, new things. So, uh, among them, uh, NFTs, but you know, they're, they're getting into media production. Uh, they're, they're trying to turn some of the, uh, they're doing, uh, prose publishing, uh, including publishing, uh, one of Medney's novels. And they've got a whole uh, – their comics line, obviously overseen by Joe Illich, uh, is putting out new material now as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. So uh, 
take a look uh, at publisherswiki.com slash comics. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's interesting to see. It's, uh, you know, Heavy Metal is absolutely a legacy brand and yes. uh, some new folks taking taking another crack at keeping that brand, you know, going. Um, well, another company that sort of, uh, I guess, inhabits that that lower lower portion of the sales chart, uh, but, you know, it's been around quite a while, is Valiant, and we're not really sure what's been going on there because they have um, – you know, they haven't really been publishing a lot of comics, I have to be honest. Mm. Um, but they did announce today that they are going to the metaverse, uh, and are going meta and, uh, web 3.0. So they put out a press release and this to me did smack a bit of the classic, uh, you know, let's talk about, uh, web 3.0 so our stockholders will think we're cool. Uh, sort of uh, thing. Let's see. Valiant is spearheading the future of this experience, featuring the most beloved and iconic characters in a profound journey through the metaverse. We're collecting and gaming meat. Yes, it is NFTs. To launch their debut, they were unveiling a 3D Genesis Mint Pass token, token granting, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> anyway, yes, I mean, NFTs. Yeah. I will say, I mean, no matter what you might say about heavy metal, <clears throat> Uh, I mean, and they, I know they're doing some NFT stuff, but we, the, our our story did not really focus on that. It really focused on publishing uh, print, bo- both comics and prose. Uh, the, the Valiant uh, story that I looked at, I mean, it was, as you said, it was just like a, it just seems like a camouflage. I mean, a wave of confusing terminology that didn't really, I mean, are they issuing digital collectives, which seems to be what they're doing, uh, but it's all framed in grand terms of 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 engaging the fans with the characters in new ways. But it really just seems like you know we're more digital collectives for collectors. It, it, there doesn't seem to be any discussion of reading, of stories, of uh, you know formats related to publishing. Uh, so I don't really know what to say about it other than this does seem to be sort of a cap, uh, you know, a corporate sleight of hand. You know, I look, everybody's got to make a living. And if you're going to do NFTs to make a living, that's a little unfortunate because, because they're, their environmental impact, but I get it. All right. I will say this. It's been a year. A year ago is when we first heard those three letters, NFT, right? (laughs) Oh, brief year. And everybody keeps telling me all the great things they're going to do and how it empowers the fans and, you know, and all this stuff. And every time I read one of these press releases about how exciting it is and all of this, I'm like, and we can't do that now because, like, I mean, I get it. I do understand the technology behind the blockchain and behind NFTs and, you know, why it's permanent. It's more permanent and creates some kind of a record. But honestly, like, like, like even this valiant, um, press release is like, Discord is where it begins. It's like, yeah, you, Discord, a message board, okay? Yeah. You can do where that. Where is the right storytelling? That's what I want to know. NFT. You don't need where an NFT. Where is the storytelling? Where is the storytelling? Well, this is what I don't nowhere. get. It's not, but I'm fine with people collecting things. Every, do you I am too. But just say that's what it is then. <laughs> you want to collect stuff? Here yeah. it is. Yeah. You know, well, I, you know, to be fair, I'm not sure they were really, I don't know what they were saying in this. It just, well, that's what, yes. yeah. well, I don't either. Yeah. I don't either. It I says, mean, it's a, 
Yeah, if you go to NFT Value and it says we're entering the metaverse, tell them join us on Twitter. So is you know, I'm meta- just a, hey Fred, if you're listening, I love you. I love you. Yeah, love yeah. Fred, we love everybody there at Valiant. We are just giving you a little rib because we know that's we all. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Look, we want all of these companies to survive, but yes. I'm just saying, where is will there be storytelling in the metaverse, or is it just you know, um, you know, a swap? Me, you know, where you? I, I mean, I, that's fine. Is it a yard? Is it a digital yard sale where you can go and buy stuff? Um, that's great. But are there storytellings? That's what I would know. I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I'm not against. I'm not for. I don't understand. Well, I'm. Listen, I'm. I'm. Uh, I am definitely. Uh, as far as NFT goes, right now, I am definitely because believe me, I'm pitched and pitched and pitched. Right now, I'm at the point where my my motto is show me. You got to yeah. explain in plain yeah, yeah. English what's so cool about what you're <laughs> yes. doing. Yeah, and so if and if it's just you're selling digital art to someone, yeah, uh, which is fine. <laughs> but you know, you know, yeah. But you anyway. don't need an NFT to do that. Anyway. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, I mean, I just wish people say, look, we're, we're, we've got a whole new line of new digital collectibles, and we think you're going to love them. Come and get them. But but, but that isn't what we hear. We hear grand stories about paradigm shifts uh, that will re-engage our universe with the fans, and 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 you have to like sign up at an obscure website. You no, know, after this, after we're happen. done recording this podcast, I'm going to go on Clubhouse and see what everybody's saying about this. Uh, well, that's where you go yeah, for NFT. That's where you go. Yeah, yeah, and then okay. the metaverse also. But um, well, back Natural. at the yeah, you know, back in the real world, um, people are finding different ways to fund their companies. And Calvin, uh, you know, Black Sands got a pretty unique. Yeah, well, uh, you know, if uh, those who don't know Black Sands, Black Sands is a company launched by um, Emmanuel uh, and Gazelle uh, Godoy. Uh, they're married. Uh, they're, they're veterans. We, we thank them for their service. Um, and they launched it about 2016. They do a wide variety. They do uh, comics. They have their own comics. They do um, uh, pro- chapter books. They have. They were doing DVDs, uh, and um, but they have relaunched themselves in many ways as a web comics app. In many ways, uh, based on the Korean model of webtoon and tapas, uh, they're really focused on black storytelling. Uh, Manuel writes a lot of this. The or if not all of them, uh, they have used WeFunder, the the equity crowdfunding platform, to raise uh, an impressive amount of money, and they have added a, an animation aspect. And uh, what's his Tenet, uh, Tenet uh, Durat, I believe his name is. I hope I haven't mangled it. I apologize if I have. Uh, is who is, uh, as I understand it, a very experienced uh, guy running an animation division. And he has joined them to to run Black Sands Studio. So Black Sands uh, Entertainment now is a it's it's putting a lot of its eggs in a web comics app and in in um, funding an animation an animated version of Black Sands, which is its kind of lead comics title. Uh, it's based on a reading of African history, and it's a kind of a story of a dynastic. Black Egyptian like royal conflict. Uh, they went on Shark Tank. They they've now I should say they've raised over a million dollars on on WeFunder. 
to both fund the, their publishing aspect and fund this animation. Now, while they were on Shark Tank, uh, and, and for those who don't know, I mean, I, I, shows, I assume everybody knows what Shark Tank is. You know, it's a celebrity uh, entrepreneur investor show. Mark Cuban is well known for being on it. Uh, they had a they had a guest shark in comedian uh, Kevin uh, Kevin Hart, and uh, I will say that the black uh, the the uh, black sand segment was was entertaining. You you saw it, didn't you, Heidi? Did I you did. Watch? I did. Yes. Yes. I did watch it. I, it was entertaining. It cringe, was not cringe at all. They came off very well. I thought. They, no, absolutely, absolutely. Well, and, and Manuel is Manuel's also on TikTok. If you haven't seen, have you seen him? He he he's. Um, he presents himself as Black Thanos, and he has a lot of very oh. funny videos uh, of him uh, saying, uh, "I am inevitable." So, <laughs> but he's he he's hyping up the company. He's hyping people to go to WeFunder and invest. And they were on, and they had a, on a very entertaining episode of Shark Tank. They picked the show. Yeah, you know, I gotta say, I, a lot of times when, you know, something comics related is on one of these reality TV shows, it's, is very cringeworthy and, you know, it's so phony and, yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna say Shark Tank is an edited to death, but I thought everybody was pretty on the level about things, you know, like, uh, I mean, it, it made business sense. The whole, yes, yeah. the whole segment made business yeah. sense. And, and, um, you know, uh, Manuel did not wanna, like, you know, he was offering, uh, what was it? Five percent of the five percent for five. For he wanted. They were trying to get five hundred grand yeah. for five percent of the and, company, and, and they laughed I, at that. And as I said <laughs> in my in my write up, they got yeah. the dangerous sting music. You know that. Yeah. That sound. Yeah. So yeah, it's bad. Uh, you know, but then and then he tried tried to flip flop them. He tried to give them ten percent of tried. royalties. And they well, you can see he was stressed. You can he see he was did. stressed. Oh, when... You can totally see how stressed he was. It's like, do you want to take on Kevin Hart and Mark Cuban as business partners on this your life's work? And a you know, and five you have five minutes to decide. But you know, I say he gave them royalties. They saw right through that. <laughs> no, well, Kevin Hart counter offered him. Yes. He said, "Look, I want to give you the money, but I want thirty percent of the company." Yeah. And you could see that he was that that uh, Manuel was not quite prepared for that. No, he wasn't. Um, so he counter offered oh. with, which which is what I thought was very interesting. He countered with, okay, ten percent, five hundred grand, and a twenty five cent royalty on all BSE books in perpetuity. Yeah, and they just waved it away for the obvious reason, as Cuban said. The Grand Slam is not the books. It's a movie produced by Kevin Hart. Yeah. 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 And the franchise that he can create. Yeah. And you know what? Even Manuel had to finally come up and say, you know what? It's a deal. I mean, though, yeah. I mean, he had he had to take the he had to take the chance. I mean, the worst worst case is he will get the money because apparently the money they invest is very real on this show. Oh yeah, and you know, get some money, and you know, I have two you know partners who are too busy making Shark Tank to really meddle. Hopefully, yeah. And and I I talked with Manuel giving up thirty percent of your company for five hundred thousand dollars. I don't know. Well, I, I agree, but you, I mean, if you're if you're not prepared to make a deal, you probably shouldn't be on this show. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, but doesn't mean you necessarily don't want to make – you want to make the deal they want to make. I mean that's – Shark no. Tank, you know, you shouldn't sell yourself too cheap. Yeah, but – yeah, and, and that's true. But we should also remember the deals that they agree to on Shark Tank are show business. 
the real deal making is going on right now. And I talk with mm. Manuel afterwards. And, uh. you know, they get these handshake deals on on TV. But then after yeah. the show is over, the lawyers sit down. Okay. And yeah. that's okay. where the deal makes. And, and Manuel said, look, we're going into extended negotiations with the Kevin Hart group. His thing, I think his, his company's called Heartbeat, uh, his production company. And they will have to, they, they have to go from a handshake to a contract. Yeah. And so that's what they're going to be working on now as he quote unquote extended negotiations. Yeah. Cause what's entertaining on TV, you're going to have to make it work, um, and within a legal framework. And an investment framework. Okay. So more to come. That makes, yeah, definitely that makes more sense. But you know, it, was, it made a good segment. It made a good oh, yeah, segment. it was it was good TV, and, it was, and maybe yeah. it'll be good business too. We're going to find yeah. out. Well, you could see though, you know, Kevin Hart was very eager to invest in this, and I can see why because yes. uh, you know we keep telling you comics are hard, uh, are hot. A couple little stories this week that um, uh, kind of showed that uh, you know they're doing a new. Uh, Batman cartoon, and they announced that Ed Brubaker will be in the writing oh, room yeah. on that, and so that's really cool. He's not um, just going to be in the writing room; he's going to be leading the writing room. Ah, he's the head, mm. the showrunner. I did head writer, know. head writer, oh, yeah. head writer. Okay, well, that's yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, well, you know, one more quick thing about the Black Sand things is that oh. um, uh, I, I think animation right now, obviously, is is really huge, and <coughs> um, excuse me. One of the things that um, uh, Manuel did tell to me is that you know you see an edited version of this, but all of the sharks were interested in this company. They were oh. all, and basically Cuban and Hart uh, basically bogarted everybody uh-huh. out of the way. So that just uh, added in that the, the and, role well, and that did, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, you know it's fascinating, but you know uh, yeah, so it's the Cape Crusader cartoon. I mean, it's big business. You know, streaming mm-hmm. is huge, 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 huge. Yes. That's you know, streaming is the, the thing. It's even more of the thing than the metaverse, I hear. So, uh, <laughs> you know, but yes, you're right. Uh, Ed will be the head writer on this Caped Crusader, uh, cartoon. And, you know, God bless. That's, that's awesome for him. He's certainly shown that he understands the character. And, you know, Bruce Tim is also involved. So this is like Batman, yes. the animated series. And it's interesting. He's, he's kind of coming back to Batman after he's kind of been away from superhero comics for a while, hasn't he? Yes. Yes. Yeah. He's been yes. doing his own stuff. And in particular, interesting after, you know, he talked, you know, pretty, you know, people were talking to him about uh, not being compensated for the work that he had done, you know, on Winter Soldier, how it was integrated and, you know, how this character has become so much bigger. um, And he, you know, what he he got more money for a cameo uh, in the movie than actually writing this character. So it's interesting now. I guess the money's better. Yeah, well, in anim, in animation. You know, yeah, get a little, you know, do get get a little uh, nest egg there, Ed. Um, well, sure. and also, well, speaking of comics IP, I think we're all going to be pretty excited about this. They are developing an anime adaptation of Scott Pilgrim. I'm fucking psyched. I can't even. Oh, excuse my language. I'm oh. sorry. <laughs> I am yeah, so excited. I am so excited, uh, and it's yeah. so brilliant. It's such it's a, a brilliant, brilliant idea. It, it was a brilliant it. book series. It was a in one of the best adaptations of of a comic series I've ever been involved in, and I can't wait to see what comes out of this. And it's, it's, it's you know the movie was a flop when it came out, but we all loved it, and we said this is going to become a cult film. That yes. and it did, and it did, it has. and it's become a beloved 
Generation Z, you know, they're all fascinated by the aughts, so they love Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> so, yeah, and they love anime, so it's win-win-win. And I'm, I'm, um, Oh, yeah, go on. No, I'm just saying I, I, I'm, it's making me want to go and, and rewatch it already. Yeah, right? yeah. Just hearing and, you talk about it. <laughs> and also, I mean, Scott Pilgrim was an amazing book and an amazing movie, but yes. not every graphic novel is animation ready. Uh, you know, you, you often catch yourself going, really? How are they going to pull that off? But Scott Pilgrim? No. Scott Pilgrim's a perfect fit. Oh, it really is. It's, it's, it really is. It, it's a model. It, it kind of sets a standard. And, and Edgar Wright, who directed it, will be part of the, the, uh, the, the production, the executive. As will Brian Lee O'Malley. As will uh, Brian Lee O'Malley. The creator uh, of Scott Pilgrim. And that's, that alone. Uh, is encouraging because they work together so well. It really, it really did seem to be uh, uh, an actual collaboration to bring to bring and, that uh, book to film. And they have uh, they'll be working with Science Saru, the studio, the animation studio. Now mm-hmm. it's just in development. It right. still needs to be picked up by Netflix. But Netflix, you've got to do the right thing. You've got to pick it you up. Do it. Pick it up. Pick it up. Do well, they got to make it first. They got to develop it first. But you know, yeah. look, uh, this. <laughs> We're all excited. Our time has come. Our time has come. Um, and Calvin, you had a couple of other little news news items. Yeah, let's see. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Black Comic Book Festival, the annual Black Comic Book Festival. Uh, okay, the Black. This is the tenth anniversary uh, or the tenth edition. Of the the uh, the Black Comic Book Festival held uh, annually at the Schomburg Collection uh, in Harlem. Uh, it went all virtual this year again, um, even though they had hoped to have a more hybrid show, but they really weren't able to do it. Obviously, with the the Omicron surge. Uh, but as much as perhaps we were longing for a return uh, to the in person event, and we are. Uh, there's an incredible convenience about an online convention. <laughs> all of the panels are online. You can all, you can go to, uh, to the Schomburg website. Uh, they've got a website up, uh, around it. You can rewatch all of these shows. You can jump around. I have to admit, I, I don't necessarily sit and listen to every panel all the way through, but I love to be able to pick and choose and jump through and find a spot. You know, it's, it's all on YouTube. Uh, so uh, I just want to quickly recommend uh, the graphic history, telling our histories through comics and, and the archives. I'm a big fan of serious nonfiction done in the comics format. And this is a great uh, conversation between uh, David Walker, uh, you know him from Bitter Root, uh, and also from uh, the incredible history of the Black Panther Party. Uh, he was in conversation with Dr. Rebecca Hall. I had the great um, – fortune and pleasure of interviewing her for the Brooklyn Book Festival. Uh, she was on the panel, but it was only two of them, uh, along with the Schomburg reference librarian, Bridget Pride. So they had a great conversation uh, talking about how to use history, how serious historians use history. Uh, David Walker, of course, is more of a, a you know, really a, a, an, a, really a, a fiction writer and a, um, a an amateur historian, but he talked about his nonfiction work. Really, just an incredible, a lively talk about how do you turn Black history into really lively, thoughtful, accurate, um, really in some ways groundmaking because her her I, book Wake uh, 
is really groundbreaking in the research that she's done into women-led slave revolts. So uh, yeah. that's one of them. And now uh, you can find these yeah. fellows, by the way, if you go to shomcom.org, that's S-C-H-O-M-C-O-M, as in Mary, uh, .org, you can find uh, all the lineup of the panels from this year. There you go. Great. And I'll mention one other panel, um, Creating Powerful Women in Comics. Uh, really great, uh, 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 great selection of people. Uh, the artist Robin Smith, Jamila Rouser, they actually have a graphic novel coming out, I think in June, Wash Day Diaries. Anyway, uh, these, the twins, Chanel Gibbs and Shawnee Gibbs, I've heard of them. I have not seen their work. They, they, they're great on the panel. So that's just two of the panels, but there are many. They're there. It's free. Go get it. So I do believe it's time for briefs, isn't it? Yeah. It is time. It, it is, is time. the time of the briefs. So let's start off our briefs with our briefest brief. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Marvel found themselves in a little bit of a position where they had not one but two Captain Americas that everyone loved. <laughs> so instead of it being a squabble between those who prefer Steve Rogers over those who prefer Sam Wilson, they decided, why not both? And so now there are going to be two simultaneous mainline Marvel 616 Universe Captain America comics, each for each Captain America. So Steve Rogers will be in Captain America Sentinel of Liberty, whereas Sam Wilson will be in Captain America Symbol of Truth. This will start in April, and, um, you know, they're they're having their cake and eating it. <laughs> there you go. Best way to describe it. <laughs> having their uh, cap. And having their cap. It. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, there's been much discussion of how much do digital comics matter anyway, especially um, in Japan where they've been a little slow to adopt. Well, now some reports are coming out of Japan, and this is courtesy of comicbook.com, that it may have a very significant impact actually on the anime industry. So Manga Plus is Shueisha's manga app and a representative from Shueisha um, Yuta Moyayama uh, an editor at Shueisha who oversees Manga Plus and Sonen Dump Plus spoke with fans on his blog to talk about his behind the scenes work and he revealed that actually uh, Manga Plus ratings Mm. are taken into account when Shueisha's trying to decide what should become an anime. As subscribers are voting on the site, the editorial department can see the data in real time on who is reading what, and how long, and how do they rate it. And so all that data they're getting from that that app is feeding straight into um, the decisions behind what, becomes an anime and what doesn't and one example given is that by x family the decision to make that into an anime was partially based on its good ratings in the app so that's Mm -hmm. all very interesting and and i wonder 
I wonder how much all those little hearts people click in Webtoon uh, will affect which debt licenses, you know, all kinds of things like that. The, yeah, maybe the magic sell- of app big data. Yeah, maybe they could sell that technology to Warner Brothers. That would be great. <laughs> so they could figure out what they do next. Yeah, <laughs> what people like. <laughs> they have no clue. <laughs> anyway, well, I'm sorry, you know, Kate. And maybe, Kate, maybe you could correct me. Uh, I mean, wasn't the original paradigm that, you know, uh, anime was made out of uh, the most popular manga? And uh, then later on, it's, it, the, the animes were more uh, kind of driven by light novels. And, uh, is that incorrect? No, that's a little simplified. Yeah. So um, there was definitely a period in which anime was more often based on manga, mm-hmm. followed by a flowering of anime based on light novels as well. So mm-hmm. it's not like the light novels are overtaking or outpacing the manga to anime pipeline. Mm-hmm. It's just it's been added yeah, on so as an extra. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them are still based on manga. Uh-huh. Sure. But this gives them like a lot more data. So it's not just, oh, well, this one's selling, um, which is always a little bit hard to tell because of things coming out in an anthology format. Mm-hmm. But now there's no question. You know, it can be collected real time. It can be organized yeah. in all mm-hmm. kinds of useful ways. It's got to be some amazing algorithm stuff going on there. And it'll be sure. interesting to see how it shapes the anime industry. And, and my hope is it shapes it for the better. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there are definitely, in any industry, uh, a lot of bandwagon jumping, bad decisions when it comes to uh, what gets, you know, picked up for an adaptation. Oh, this book that has uh, a uh, teenage harem is popular? Well, that one will probably be, too, without looking at, well, do the fans... Yeah, without any connect data. to this one mm-hmm. the way they connect to that one is the writing quality as good. Uh, it has the novelty worn off, but you know now they can see what people actually like. Yeah, so we'll see. Interesting. Yeah. I'm wondering yeah, how this may. You know, will will Disney pick up on this? Will they suddenly be one? You know, paying attention to the data on you know. What gets clicked on Marvel Digital Unlimited? I mean, I don't know. We'll see what what future this may bring. And on that note, um, as always, there will be more to come.